All right. So greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for a live Surf and Sales Bonfire session. We are super excited uh, to have everybody here and going to do a quick round of introductions and then we're going to get right into it. Um, we also need to give a shout out to our sponsors of Salesforce Revenue Cloud, who's actually here, uh, along with a customer. So I'm hoping we can figure out, uh, without getting pitchy, how to how to talk about using Salesforce in a, in a constructive way. Um, but we also want to thank uh, Lead411, Vidyard, and Gong.io. So if you're looking for tools to help you access and uh, hit your numbers, uh, we would love to have you uh, check out our sponsors. We really appreciate it. So without any further ado, I want to introduce first, I want to introduce Jen Whalen, who's the Senior Director of Product Marketing for Trailblazer Marketing from Salesforce. And uh, that's a long, long title, Jen. So thanks for- I didn't, know how to I didn't know how to shorten it up. Essentially, just look after some of our customer programs um, and sales and revenue ops um, is one of my uh, primary focuses. So been with Salesforce for about two years and have been focused on um, sales and rev ops um, and community building um, since the beginning. Awesome. Thank you. And we also have a good friend of mine, Jen Spencer, who's the VP of sales and marketing at Smartbug Media, which I think um, really helps us understand this sort of whole revenue operations, revenue team perspective. Jen, uh, as a fellow Wildcat Bear Down, thank you so much for coming on and it's always good to see you. Glad to be here. And this is a very timely topic for what's going on in, in my world, um, leading our revenue team at, at Smartbug. Great. And then, of course, certainly last but not least uh, is Brian Vass from Paycor. Brian, I cannot, I, I typoed something. So, of course, your LinkedIn profile is not up. VP of Revenue Operations at Paycor. So, again, a RevOps uh, perspective on everything we're doing. So, uh, before we jump into the topic, um, the, the first thing I always love folks to do is to go into the chat and just type in where you're dialing in from. It's always fun to see those things. Uh, wherever you wherever you are in, in the world. Uh, and this is an open forum. So as you have questions, uh, we've got someone monitoring the chat. So please, you know, surface your questions to us so we can make sure you ask them. We'll pull you off mute, let you ask questions from the folks. Um, and then from there, let's go ahead. Oh, I also have to introduce my good friend, Scott Lease. Sorry, buddy. Um, yeah, I'm right. here. <laughs> <laughs> so um so scott is, has always been my co-host on the surf and sales podcast so uh so i think the first question really is I'd, I'd love to hear from everybody you know scott has recently written about and gotten a ton of great feedback i think it's all good feedback on the garbage can of sales right you either decided to come into sales as your career like me um, or there's a vast majority of people who fell into it. So I'd love to hear from Jen and Jen and, and Brian. Uh, how did you even decide to get into sales? Uh, was it on purpose? Was it not on purpose? I mean, I can, I can jump in. I mean, I got into sales when I became a high school English teacher because um, teaching 15-year-old boys why Shakespeare is important in their life is the hardest sales job I've ever had. But that's not not really an intentional intentional sales job. So I my first like true true sales job was when I I was hired to run marketing at Allbound when we were really really young like pre product pre revenue just a bunch of kids with an idea um, who had won some free office space and literally on my second day on the job the founder and CEO um, at, at the time Scott Salton was like hey you know what I, I think I'd like you to do sales too. 
And so all of a sudden I started doing marketing literally by night and then selling by day and like making adjustments on the fly based off of the demos I was having. That was my, that was my first actual like quota carrying, you know, sales, sales role that I did not apply for. Well, it's interesting because Scott and I've always talked about hiring teachers are some of the best salespeople. If you really like, first of all, at, in terms of the basic math skills it takes to do sales, right? Because I can't do advanced math or, or pivot tables yet. Um, teachers are great because they understand how to break concepts down. They can teach people how to learn, for lack of a better phrase, teach people how to buy what they've never bought before. So I, I love that background. Uh, how about you, Jen Whalen? Yeah, so I, I've kind of always been indirectly um, associated with the with sales and revenue operations. I started um, really down this path at a um, an ad tech startup about seven eight years ago. Um, you know, pre anything, so small team was running a marketing team over there, um, and uh, you know, one of the sales associates essentially, we all kind of got together and we said, hey, maybe maybe this girl can help us, you know, set up our Salesforce instance and figure out how to do some of this stuff. Um, and it was kind of from there, and we just. Again, Jen, to your point, like really young, had no idea what we we're doing, just throwing stuff at the wall, trying to roll it out to, to our, you know, three salespeople and see if it stuck. Um, and that was really kind of my first foray into how do we build the machine that is the sales and marketing kind of flywheel? Um, and how do we, you know, grow the business doing that and get everybody else on board? So um, that was that was kind of how I fell into this kind of world and, and working with with alongside the RevOps teams. Awesome. Brian, last but not least, of course. Yeah, I, I had no desire to be in sales. That was never part of the plan. I, uh, <laughs> out of school, I was going to be a marketing person at a bank. I had it all figured out. I had the internship, you know, interviewed with all the big banks. And then I had a buddy who uh, worked at a startup software company and they were looking for their first marketing hire. So I ended up talking to them and one thing led to another and I, and I worked there. And, you know, it was a blast. Um, you know, I started to geek out on CRM and sales and marketing alignment and measurement and marketing attribution and all these things. And, you know, fast forward a little bit that evolved into sort of sales and marketing ops. And, you know, today I'm um, at Paycor, which is um, an HR tech company. We've got, you know, 500 people in our sales and marketing organization and, and we now have RevOps, right? Uh, which is less than a year old formally for our company. So I stumbled into it that way. Ryan, were you, were you like, hey, I'm going to graduate college and go work for a hedge fund? Were you, were you that banking kind of guy? No, I was more of a, I, you know, I had a finance and marketing degree, but I wanted to do marketing. And so I, I don't know what I thought I was going to do, but I was going to go do some creative fun marketing job at a bank, but not, not the stock broker, not the hedge fund stuff. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Well, I think the first question, and then I'll, I'll let Scott talk for a little bit, um, just a moment, but is, is what's the difference between sales op and rev ops? How do you guys see that? I think that's the biggest question. Um, and then if you want to try and tie in, when do you move from sales ops to rev ops, right? Like when, when is the right time in your mind? Yeah, I, I can take that if you want, Scott. I mean, or Richard, um, I think every rev ops team probably started as sales ops, right? Unless you're a truly a startup company starting from scratch. And, you know, it's sort of what I've experienced, you know, sales ops supports the sales team. Uh, with traditional things like process and quotas and comp and analytics and reporting and sometimes technology. And they're going to report into the sales organization and do what's best for the sales org. 
And RevOps is truly that all encompassing, you know, team that's focused on all the revenue driving functions, sales, marketing, service, if you have a partner channel, and it's truly sort of bringing everything uh, and everyone together in that cohesive strategy. And so, you know, there's so much overlap these days between, you know, funnel metrics and technology stack and reporting and data between sales and marketing and you know, service and everything else. It just makes sense to have everything together as a single team. So that that's how I see it. Um, happy to comment as well on sort of the right time to switch, but I'll let, let others weigh in if they want to. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's interesting at, at SmartBug, so for like for context, we're about 110 employees um, and we're, we're an agency, right? So we provide professional services. We're not a software company. We support clients who use different software. And the idea of ops, sales ops has always fallen on the shoulders of the sales leader in the organization. Marketing ops has fallen on the shoulders of the, that, that marketing leader, right? And we only just recently, less than a month ago, actually built a RevOps team. And that was kind of twofold. One, like to support our clients, right? Because it was a need from that perspective. But two, we're running into these walls where um, no one was gonna be able to be successful. So actually like as a team, one of our themes that we have, we always have these quarterly themes that we're focused on. One of our themes that is actually for the year is on becoming a well-oiled machine. And it's 100% direct, like re related to revenue operations because unfortunately you're gonna start to have a problem where marketing sends, you, you never want marketing, right? To be sending an email that is going out to, uh, that, that has like some kind of promotional element that's going out to an existing customer, right? And even worse than that, you don't want an individual sales rep, let's say, uh, trying to, to pitch uh, someone who's an active customer or partner of yours. That's like even worse, right? But then how do you then take it and elevate things to the next level and find out of your, even your customer base, who's using what, who's using what services you provide, who's using what aspects of a product, you know, who is kind of, um, kind of use, you know, you think about like most people are from a software perspective, only using a fraction of like what that software is actually capable of. And you can have, you have, we have all of this really, really powerful tech. We have a lot of smart people in these high, highly strategic positions. And I look at RevOps as being just the answer to getting everyone working together on the same page and ultimately driving more demand gen success, driving more sales effectiveness and efficiency and customer success as well. Well, I hate, first of all, I hate buzzwords. So Jen, now you have to double down on effectiveness and efficiency because <laughs> I fucking hate that. So, um, so tell me what that means. What, what is effectiveness and efficiency? Effectiveness means doing what you, it, you're able to accomplish what you actually set out to accomplish. So a lot of leaders like to say, all right, this is like what we're focusing on. Like how actually, how, how good were you, right? Like what grade did you get? At the end of that course, let's go back to teaching. Did you get an A? Did you get a B? How high of an A of a B a, or A was it? Did you barely squeeze by, right? With like a 90%? Kind of how, how effective were you in trying to achieve your goal? And in terms of efficient, how much time did this happen? Yeah, but what are those things? I know the definitions, but like, what are those things that you're trying to combine? So, I mean, listen, everything comes down. I don't want to, to, to you know, take the floor, steal the floor here from everybody. But look, like as a, as a leader in our revenue leader in our organization, I'm looking at how, how, how much time does an individual rep have to spend in the sales process, if I can shorten that, that actually, that makes more money for the organization, right? 
If I have an existing customer, can I keep that customer? That's going to ultimately make us uh, make us more successful. Make us more I gave them. I gave them any time over the. Week. And can I? And also, how much wallet share do I have of that customer? So, um, so how many other services? And if I can continue to sell additional services or products to that customer, that's ultimately going to make them stickier. Going to make it much harder for them to leave and switch to a competitor. That's his actual birthday. Even if you got somebody, you got somebody off mute, Richard. And, and Richard is on mute. Richard's got this whole monitoring <laughs> thing. That's it. Still That's working it. on it. Yeah, we're good. So Jen Whalen, I know. Uh, why don't you jump in and sort of yeah. share with us about um, you know rev ops versus sales ops, and then when do you think? Sort of let you take the next question. When do you think you switch from sales ops to rev ops? Listen, I you know as a kind of you know this peripheral, um, largely more focused on marketing and my you know prior experience um, before coming to Salesforce and really focusing on community and trying to answer this question myself and trying to figure out where are the the touch points and the kind of the handoffs between the two. Um, I'll throw another one in there, which is, it gets a little bit confusing is business operations. So the, you know, the idea that it's biz ops, rev ops, sales ops, marketing ops, all of the, the, the operations functions, um, you know, what I've been able to see is I think, and from what I've heard too, is that it just, it varies greatly between, you know, company size, um, and kind of growth stage, right? And and what you're trying to accomplish and how the people in the roles, how many people in the roles. And so I think there's a little bit of a nuance around, um, you know, when that transition happens from sales ops to rev ops, um, or if sales ops can fulfill all the needs that you have in terms of the, the you know, the size of the sales team, the size of the goal, all of those, and, and you know, and marketing operations objectives, quite frankly, because the two have to work so closely together. Um, so, you know, that I, I don't know the answer. And so I think that that's, and, and if you look at all these, you know, LinkedIn conversations, that answer is just so pervasive out there, which is what is revenue operations versus sales operations? And what, you know, like, do they meet? Are they the same? Like does sales, is RevOps an umbrella term? So I, like it being also kind of a, I don't want to say it's a new industry, but like it's newer and, and high growth. I think that that, and that the, those conversations will continue happening until there's like specific objectives around and an answer around, hey, when you get to this level of growth or this number of revenue or, or this number of people, that's when you need a revenue operations team. Yeah. But I want to stick with that point for a minute because I have long been on the record as saying that point is day fucking one after I get hired as a VP of sales. And I, and I have not taken VPs of sales jobs unless the CEO has said, yes, your first hire can be a head of RevOps. So the question that I have, and for, for any of you who wants to jump in is, why is it taken so long for RevOps, sales ops, any of this kind of ops to get the respect and the priority that it deserves? And it's 2021, we still don't have a definitive answer to Jen Whalen's point about what those different stages are. So I'll turn that over to, to any of you three to, kind of tackle that? I have one like personality like hypothesis um, just from some conversations. And part of it is it, it's timing. And it's that when you look at CEOs and you look at board members and you think about like what their tra career trajectory was, they didn't have it and they did just fine, right? 
They didn't have it. Now, why didn't they have it, right? They didn't have it because maybe, because technology was different, right? The, the way that business operated in itself was, was different. And so because of that, it's not at the forefront of their mind. It's not like, hey, this is a priority for the organization because they have a bias because they didn't live with it. They didn't need it for, you know, in order to be successful. And so that, that's just kind of like a personality kind of thing, behavioral thing I picked up on as I've had conversations um, throughout, throughout my career. They don't know what the value is, right? So, so now as somebody who, who works in this particular field, I agree with you, Jen Whalen, that they don't know the value. Brian, who works in this particular discipline, how do you communicate that value? How do you help a VP of sales, for example, communicate that value to the CEO and get you know, a headcount early and build this thing out from the start? Yeah, I mean, so I think um, maybe in the past, we didn't have all the sales and marketing tech that we have now. We didn't have all the data that we have now. There wasn't as much of a desire to quantify the impact that marketing was having on the business, right? Marketing is arts and crafts, you know, advertisements, logo, whatever. Sales, just prospect, hit your number, whatever. Now we have all that stuff. We're investing an incredible amount of money in, you know, sales enablement, marketing technology. We're um, providing, you know, the organization with uh, great data and insights on, you know, what's working and not working in marketing all sorts of sales KPIs and scorecards and how we can, you know, how can we get better? How can we move the needle? How can we, you know, drive more productivity out of the salespeople? And you have to have like a team and people to make all this work and to do all of that. And so, you know, I think we, we show the value to the CEO and prove the value every day by, you know, bringing that all together um, and making sure that, you know, everything's firing on all cylinders that, you know, marketing's optimized, sales optimized, and, and we're delivering the activity or the insights and, and data of the business, I guess is what I would say. Um, and, you know, it, RevOps just makes sense to do that versus, you know, like you can have sales ops and marketing ops and that's a start, right? But there's going to be overlap. There's going to be inefficiencies. You're going to have marketing looking at some data, sales ops looking at other data. It's not going to be the same. You're going to have marketing trying to do something in CRM and sales, something the same thing on CRM. You're going to have duplication of effort there. Um, and so if you really want to be high growth, scale, break down silos, um, have unified data, then like this, this is what you got to do. How important, how important do you think it is, Jen Whalen, for, for somebody who's kind of hiring or, or entering this field for the first time, how important is it for them to have sales experience, direct selling experience or sales management, sales leadership experience? Important, not important? What do you think? Um, I don't, I, I mean, I think it's nice to have the perspective for sure um, because it's nice to have the perspective of process. Um, but, but I, in my experience, I don't think that it's critical. Um, I think you need to know how to work with salespeople um, and understand. So if, you've never, if you've never sold then, how would you know how to work with salespeople? If you've never, if you've never sold, you've never been one, you never worked alongside one. Maybe this is more for like yeah. somebody coming into a startup or a, a mid-level company that's like the first kind of rev ops, sales ops kind of hire. 
you're saying the question is for that role, should they have been in sales? Yeah, like does it does it change? Does your answer change at all based on the stage yeah. or size of the company? I don't it, know. I'm probably the wrong person to ask because in my opinion, I feel like people can learn. You can learn these things. You can learn process. You can learn how to, you know, work with salespeople. You can learn what their goals are. You can, you know what I mean? Like you can do all of that without having that. Yeah, uh, I don't think that you're the wrong person to ask. I think that's an interesting and unique take. One that I would potentially disagree with. So I'm, I'm wondering if yeah. Jen Spencer or Brian, you know, agrees with you or, or disagrees a little bit. I'd be interested to see what the success, like if there's more success with people who have been in sales, right? Versus who haven't. And now they're in a sales ops or, or revenue ops mm -hmm. role. I mean, I, I'll share from my experience. I used to be, I was considered like the marketer who got sales. Like I really got it. And I would like have these great partnerships. When I was at NetTime Solutions, like my, the director of sales and I, we were like hundred percent in sync, everything. The second I had to manage a deal myself, the second I was responsible for entering what I needed to in the CRM, where I had to push all the buttons and do all of it. I went, holy shit. I just learned everything. It completely changed my, my perspective. And that was coming from someone who like was told by other salespeople, wow, you really get us. Hmm. So, so I, I think it's either, I think having that experience is paramount, but if you can't have that experience, which not everyone can, it's you really have to listen and you really have to pay attention to the, to the data and like you and understand like, what what goes into like a salesperson's day to day um and so even like today like with my my marketing leader who maybe sets things up in the system i'm like how many how many steps is this going to take for sales because every step that you're adding to their process is a step that they're not doing that they need to be doing in their deal and i would have never had that context if i hadn't been in that seat myself mm -hmm. yeah i i think it, it sort of depends right on, on how big your team is and what the role is. But the majority of people on my team do not have direct sales experience, but they all have an understanding an appreciation, empathy for the role. Like I even think about like our, our strongest Salesforce admin, like the guy um, really like feels strongly that anything we do in Salesforce like has to make the job easier for a salesperson and doesn't want to put any additional burden on them. The one exception, Scott, that I would say is one pillar of RevOps for, for my company is sales enablement. And everybody on the sales enablement team has been in a direct quota carrying. Now, why, why is that? Can you elaborate on, on why that's so important? Yeah, because they're, they are the, the front line uh, with the field. They're out every day meeting with salespeople, meeting with leaders, uh, rolling out you know, plays, campaigns, uh, competitive intelligence, uh, working on, you know, whatever the strategy is to help, you know, drive the win rate or drive the average deal size. And they just, the fact that they've been in their shoes before and they know what it takes um, makes, makes them much more effective in that role. Yeah. I'm delayed coming off mute so Scott doesn't yell at me anymore. Um, because that's what he loves to do. So we, we have a couple of questions coming in from folks. So I'd love to I'd love to pause us and ask them. So, you know, first question is coming from James Vega. What's the best process for startup with six AEs and two SDRs? Startup has no metrics. It has no goals, and expects deals from the air. 
right? Like this, we, we sort of covered it a little bit, but I'm, I'm curious, like, where do you start that piece? And does it even start with a conversation with the board and the CEO? Maybe might be James's real question. Is there marketing? You know? I have no idea. Very, very minimal, if, if any marketing whatsoever. Hmm. So, so no marketing, where do you, how do you, where do you start? And we Brian? just got another AE on board. <laughs> you just stumped all the revenue ops. Uh, yeah, so are you, are you asking James, are you asking where you start with ops or just where you start in general? Yeah. Where, where do we start in order to generate more revenue? Like for example, our price point monthly is 250 bucks. We are not generating revenue to where we have lowered the price to $29, which to me is absolutely absurd. There is no way for the sales team to create a pipeline based on demos done, uh, closed wins, closed lost, um, that sort of process. So uh, not necessarily sure as to how you would go about, you know, us bringing you onto the team and saying, look, this is how we're going to do it now. Do we, you know, give each rep X amount of contacts. Now you're going to, you know, call them and then you're, we're going to base it on, you know, impact calls. How would you go about it essentially? Yeah. I mean, without, I'll share a couple of things, Jen Spencer, this is your business. So you may have more insights here, but like, without knowing anything about your business, like, you know, it feels like you kind of need to go back to the basics. What's your ideal customer profile? Who are you targeting? Um, you know, what's the focus? Because, you know, instead of, are you going really broad or can you get targeted on specific industries, specific personas? Um, you know, can you build lists and do a combination of sort of proactive outbound, whether it's account-based or not targeting, but then supplement that with, it sounds like you might need a little you know, inbound marketing, even nurture marketing, some sort of strategy to bring some inbound. Um, but probably a million questions, you know, we'd all have to ask before we could really get into the details there. I don't know if anyone else has a comment. Yeah, I, I think I think ops is like not first priority right now. Like right now it's like, what, what, what do you, what problem do you solve and for who? And like try to get that as narrow as possible. Um, and then like, just very like much like a lot of focus right there um in that in that perspective and there's obviously like inbound marketing techniques inbound does take time obviously like it's not an overnight thing and like you start blogging and money falls from the sky so it's also kind of very like orchestrated kind of sales motions that have to happen i mean personally i don't know pam like i don't really consider that kind of like revenue ops or sales ops i just consider i consider that like sales and marketing strategy or demand generation strategy I think that's really that's really where where you have to begin. But it sounds like there might be um, you may not have like product market fit. Like if you're making like massive fluctuations in price, um, I mean, a rev ops is going to be key when you're ready to scale. When you've got okay, we've got our systems. We understand who our customer is. We understand like what problem we solve for them. We've been able to kind of like we have a, a process. We now need to put that process on steroids. And that's where RevOps is really gonna help from an organizational perspective. You got to, like Brian said, you got to go, go back to the basics and focus on who, who are we helping and how. Got it. Got another question coming in from Abid. Um, Abid, you want to come off mute and ask your question of the team? Uh, yes, please. Um, 
I guess my, my question, we're just about uh, to, to hiring into this, uh, into RevOps, sales ops, whatever you want to call it. Um, we've got a team of about you know, 10, 12 sales, um, similar number in, in customer success and so on. Um, and we're going through that decision point of saying, well, what are we hiring for? Is it a RevOps role? Is it a sales ops role? Are we hiring for customer success ops at the same time? Um, and so I'm really interested in that question of what, when's the right time to, to choose to transition the organization or what's the right place to start it with? Should it be sales ops or rev ops? Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> it's a good question, Pete. I, I think um, what you want to avoid is getting in a situation where you have sales ops reporting to sales, marketing ops reporting to marketing, you know, customer service ops reporting to service, because then you're going to, again, you're going to get in the situation, even if you're not a huge company where, you know, you've got the silos, you've got the competing priorities, and maybe some politics, things like that. So, uh, you know, I would encourage you to just start out of the gate with rev ops. Um, in the spirit of, you know, an aligned, um, you know, team, and it might be a team of one for now, right, that's supporting all of these functions, and maybe they focus most of their time on sales ops, if that's where your biggest need is right now, but they still would, you know, have responsibility for making sure that you're leveraging the tools and the technology and the data, and, and you've got the right process, and everything's sort of working together amongst all those functions, so I would, that would be my suggestion. I agree, Brian. Yeah. I know Scott's passionate about this, so jump in, Scott. Come on. I'm trying, I don't want to dominate the conversation. As you're as you're looking to grow and and scale, right? You got you're all in Jen Whalen and Brian in particular in really large organizations. How do you figure out the prioritization of new roles inside your org as you're growing? What what bits of work are you sort of siphoning off yourself and offloading to somebody else or siphoning off, you know, one of your key employees and, and saying, okay, I need another resource to work on that part. I'm real curious about that at, at the larger kind of scale. Maybe one of you can jump in on that. Brian, you can take that one. It's not as applicable to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. Um, <clears throat> you know, I just think about my personal experience at Paycor and how we started, right? We, we really started early with just core, like somebody to be responsible for CRM, somebody to be responsible for marketing automation. And not too long after that, um, somebody to be responsible for data, because I feel like strongly that data is critical. And when I say data, I mean like hygiene of your data in the system, um, as well as the analytics, because without like without good data, like nothing else matters, right? You're, if your CRM's crap, your marketing automation's crap, like nothing's gonna work. So um, that's where I would start. And then, you know, from there, I think we just evolved into, as we got bigger that we said, okay, well, you know, now we need somebody to um, help with sort of go-to-market strategy and leading key initiatives and, you know, and managing policy and things like that. And then we said, you know, eventually we're going to need some sales enablement people. Like that's an area where we sort of evolved into having a sales. But how, but how are you making those dis, the, those decisions, right? I mean, how, you're, you're going to be at this place where you're like, well, I could use help with this. I could use help with that. How are you deciding which one comes, comes first? Yeah, I mean, I, for me, it's just where, and this is going to sound like a simple answer, but it's, it's where um, 
I feel we have the most need at the business and where we would add the most value and where personally, like, I feel like I can't do it anymore. Right. As the leader, like yeah. I can't, I can't do this anymore on my own. I need somebody to come in, you know, and run it. Um, and, and that's frankly how we did it. Like at the, with the tech team, it's a little easier to say, okay, like Salesforce roadmap's getting so big, like it's going to take us this long to do all the work. If you give us another person, we can do it faster. But for new roles that we haven't had in the past, um, it's, it's, you know, we have a need in the business that's not being met. Um, we're got somebody doing it on the side. Like we really need to do this the proper way and we make a business case to do it. Yeah. Jen, Jen Spencer, how are you, you weaving the, the teams and, and the culture together? Like what's the cadence of the RevOps team spending time with people in the SDR team or the AE team? Are, are they meeting regularly? Or are those meetings and conversations only happening at the manager or executive level? How do you, how do you how do you get them all to interact and and uh, you know have a really strong like cohesive bond? Well, there's something that we'll, we'll be announcing soon that I can't talk about yet. <laughs> yes, what? so you can all follow me on LinkedIn uh, or connect with me on LinkedIn uh, in the next couple of days. But um, but 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 honestly, it's a lot of communication. It's a lot of almost like over communication, but. There are certain like cadences of meetings that happen um, and then also leveraging kind of asynchronous opportunities. To so what are, what, what are those cadences of meetings though? Are, are they meeting like every single day? Is it once a week? There's a sales team and RevOps meeting. What does that look like really tactically? So, okay. So really tactically. So um, every other week, there's kind of a, more of like a leadership meeting that's talking about the things that are most critical to our business. But ahead of that, and then the only off week, it's more like top execs. But ahead of that, we have, we use a vision traction organizer. So we have like, this is our, this is what we're focused on for the year. Like here's our revenue target. And we, as an executive team, the leadership, we're identifying what are the rocks that stand in our way of us achieving this goal. So if we want to be at 30 million, 50 million, hundred million, whatever that number is, and this is where we are now, what, do, what needs to happen? And so from that, we don't just set a goal and say, all right, let's now hire X amount of headcount in sales and just plan on like selling the crap out of it. We don't do that, right? Like there's an operational component because we need to make sure that our delivery team can actually support what it is that we sell. We need to make sure there's actual marketing pipeline that's being generated for those opportunities. So from that, every department in the organization walks away with, in order for us to hit our one-year goal, and we also are looking at a three-year goal, these are the things that could stand in our way. And then we break it down into smaller rocks or pebbles that then get distributed to larger portions of the team. And every meeting we're starting with, how are we doing? How are we comparing against that, that goal of that VTO? And then we're communicating that kind of company-wide. So that's how we like culturally handle it. And it's from those conversations that we've had where there have been decisions to invest in things like revenue ops, like sales op, marketing ops, because it's not sexy, because it's looked at as being a cost center as opposed to a revenue center. And it's not until we break it down and align it with the, re the revenue goal that everyone starts to see how important it is. That's great. I've got a, I've got a question specific to Jen Whalen because we're, we're talking a lot around the CRM right? Like leveraging the CRM to do these things. How does, how does Salesforce support themselves or, or equally important, how does Salesforce support their customers in terms of building this RevOps function, right? Um, 
you know, and, and you can by all means talk about any data or reports or any of those kinds of things, because I, I think people will understand that we're asking from a CRM perspective, not a not a pitching Salesforce kind of thing. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. Um, you know, I think for us, it is, I mean, obviously, it, uh, all of our, the intentional processes, and I, and again, I, I'm not, I don't sit in those organizations, but the, the people that I work with in order to develop whatever it is, content, learnings, dashboards, all of these things that, that we create as tools and resources for the sales ops and rev ops professionals. Um, you know, what I hear from them is essentially that it's, you know, from a revenue operations role, it's more about um, the customer success piece of it too, where it's um, really diving into what part of the, the customer life cycle um, where are those gaps and where can we help plug the holes versus the, the technology, the actual, the fields and the objects and all of the kind of the, um, the nuts and bolts, if you will. Um, and not even necessarily from an admin perspective, but just from a usage perspective of setting up dashboards and, you know, um, and, and reporting. And I think there's a question in here about data um, alignment to, um, data analytics and data science. I think that those two things have started to merge a lot more um, for us too, to say, hey, th these are kind of, again, the nuts and bolts of the CRM and the technology that we're using, but the, re but the real insight and the real way that we are gonna you know, create strategy on the revenue from the revenue operations team and enablement's a huge piece of this too, as Brian was talking about, um, is really understanding the data and building out those, those dashboards and, and creating more data literacy around the, the metrics. Um, and even for us, I mean, it's a, it's very, um, when I started down this, this journey, it was a little bit like I went through our org chart and I was like, who do I even talk to? I mean, it's so bloated to a point where it was like, who are the right people to talk to who actually have their hands on the technology versus all of the other people who are just running strategy? Um, and then when they, and, and those people who are running strategy, what do they do? And, and what I found was that it was a lot of it was focused on the customer success and the customer life cycle journey of getting people through more through the proverbial funnel, if you will. Um, but even for us, it's not so, it's not cut and dry by any means. It is hard to navigate at, at this kind of enterprise level. Um, I still know I'm missing a bunch of people that I should be talking to. I just don't know who they are. I don't know who they are and what they do. It's like this weird, um, it's this weird thing because I think also everybody's trying to figure it out, right? Everybody's trying to figure out the handoff and like break down more silos. And it's, it's not, we haven't, we haven't cracked the nut on it. I'll just, I'll just put that out there. <clears throat> That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. And, and it's, it's, it's nice to hear that big companies don't always, you know, they're trying to figure it out, right? Like it's important because um, in some ways the, the smaller company can figure it out, right? Because there's fewer people to, yep. to yeah, go yeah. through. Exactly. Uh, I mean, but, whatever we're doing right now is working. <laughs> um, it's just, it's continually improved, right? By figuring out those those kind of swim lanes and then also the, the collaboration points. Cool. All right, I've got, a, I got another question from Giovanni, but um, for whatever reason, he can't come off mute even though I've asked him, Scott, so don't blame me, Scott. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a really awesome question, which is how do you design the limit between RevOps and data analytics and data science, right? At some point you got a lot of data um, and there's a difference between those things. 
and I'm curious to 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 Brian and and Jen Spencer and and Jen Whalen what y'all think of that. Um, and do you consider data science? Not not is data science, but you know how when do you consider it? Yeah, I would say um, <clears throat> we haven't cracked that code yet. Um, you know, we we have an incredible amount of data, as probably a lot of you do as well. Um, we have a lot of metrics. We put out a lot of scorecards. Um, we're trying to do more and more every day to glean insights from that data and proactively share it out with sales leaders so they can use it to make better business decisions. Um, but I wouldn't say like we're we're really good at data science or any artificial intelligence, machine learning. We're just not doing that stuff yet. I want to get there. Uh, I'm eager to get there, but yeah, I, I, it's a good question. I don't know. Jen or Jen, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I see, um, we're not, we're not quite there either. Much, you know, smaller, smaller organization than, 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 than Jen Whalen, of, of course, um, or, or you, Brian, but, um, but, but I see revenue operations as, as a precursor to really being able to like dive into to data science. Not that we're not analyzing data regularly, right? Like we, we, we are like in each department, um, it, it fuels everything that we do. But when you're wanting to look at like it all holistically and be predictive um, about the entire business organization, I see it as kind of a next step as, or a, a, an output um, that's gonna, gonna come out of, of having um, aligned revenue operations. And then bringing in those people who are those those data scientists to analyze the data, um, because you know, frankly, like there's times where I'm looking at reports that we've been able to construct, and 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 it's telling me something, but I'm not quite so sure what what's to, what what is it telling me, and what do I do with this now, right? And like, isn't, that's that, isn't that what a really good RevOps partner will do for you, though? It will surface the insights. Like, I don't have time as a sales leader to read all these these reports. I want somebody to come to me and be like, here's all the data. Looks at this is what I learned. Yeah. Now you can go make a decision of what to do with it. Right. 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 No, absolutely. But don't you feel like it, it feels like uh, maybe I'm wrong. It feels like a lot of CEOs and boards just expect you as the VP of sales or expect you as the VP of marketing to have all those answers. Right. And, and so, and then as the, if you're one of those individual department leaders, it's like, well, shit, am I supposed to know this? Right. Um, and, and so I, I know I like I've been in that I've been in that situation before. I think that's an area to like Scott, to your point. Um, we've we've that's something we didn't do very well at it in the past that we're getting better at today. Like in the past, we would say, hey, we've got all these great self-service tools for you to come look at data. Come look at all these reports, dashboards, BI system. You know, anytime you want it, it's there. Really great data. But like. The reality is sales leaders like aren't going to do it on a consistent basis. They may not understand what it means. And so what we've evolved to is being more prescriptive and packaging up the data in scorecards and showing, you know, what this means and how you should interpret it and talking about it on a regular basis and proactively sending it out, you know, every week or month, whatever the time frame is. Um, and, and like we're getting so much more impact and benefit out of data when we've adopted that approach. And I think that also provides a lot more value as a RevOps team to the field, right? When we're doing those things. Um, and if that's called data science, then maybe we're doing it, but I feel, you know, maybe I don't have a good understanding of, of the data scientist role. <laughs> you think that we're gonna reach a place soon where RevOps is gonna have a, a quota 
Yeah. <laughs> Brian doesn't want to. Brian's like, look at Brian's smile. He's like, holy shit, no. Kind of like asking marketing to have a I quota. mean, here, like, here's our, our, you know, will we have a quota? I don't know. I mean, marketing pretty much has a quota for us. I think what, what we have today and what I think will be firmer in the future is um, holding us accountable for certain metrics, right? You know, one... Is, is that not the case now, Brian? Are you held not accountable to any metrics? I want your no job. No metrics whatsoever. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, obviously we have a lot of metrics that we that we hold ourselves accountable to, but um, really getting like really linking comp, right? Things like that to some of yeah. those, I think is where we may evolve in the future. So, um, you know, I think about like, one of the big ones for us is average sales productivity. How much revenue do we get out of a salesperson a year? That's something that, you know, we're really trying to grow over time, right? Because we want to get more out of the people we have. Um, and I can share some other examples too if you guys want. So. Jen Whalen, I, I think we figured out who you need to be talking to, which is all your data scientists, right? You need I'll to start there. Yeah. So if you haven't already, if you haven't already. So no, uh, go ahead. No, no. I was just saying it's good advice. I yeah. definitely start down that path. Yeah. So Andy, Andy, uh, I know you've got a question. Would love to, for you to jump on and, and ask it of the panel. Yeah, for sure. So I, I'm curious. Um, I mean, this is obviously a cultural shift moving to RevOps. And it's kind of, I, I work in the, the DevOps space and I've, you know, kind of seen this. So I, I'm curious what KPIs seem to work. Because I think the classic, I don't know, as a sales guy, it's closed business. As a marketer, potentially it's MQLs. And those don't typically correlate directly one-to-one -one into closed business. So and I think it's the source of contention oftentimes between marketing and sales. Yeah. So I'm curious, like what, what is that sort of overarching or umbrella KPI that helps get teams aligned? MQL is a, a vanity metric these days, my opinion, right? You know, marketers need to focus on uh, the bottom of the funnel. I mean, for, for us, the metrics that, um, that we, that we align to and we focus on, I mentioned just a second ago, average sales productivity, but you know, RevOps has a direct impact on win rate, um, on average deal size. And we also do a lot to share, show out like, what are the bookings and what's the win rate from specific campaigns or um, what's the adoption and utilization of technology that we have? And there are some cases where we can draw a straight line between using that technology and bookings. Like for example, we use a tool to show ROI to prospects and we link it to the opportunity in Salesforce. And so we can say, here are all the deals we won where we did the ROI. Um, and we also try to correlate that with the um, performance of our sales team and our leaders. And I'll give you a quick story. Like, um, we wanted to add, this just happened like two weeks ago. Uh, we wanted to add another person to our uh, enablement team, our sales, our field enablement team. And we went to our CRO and we said, hey, look, you know, we, we need to add another person for these reasons. We're stretched thin. We're hiring a bunch more sales leaders. We need the help, blah, blah, blah. We had like three slides. And he's like, any, you have any more slides for me? Or is that it? And we had one more, of course. And we were holding, we said, yeah, we'll, we'll look at this. And it said, um, if you look at all of the leaders that are over 100% of plan in green, here's the bookings they're getting from the enablement campaigns. Here's their win rate using our competitive intelligence information. Here's how they're succeeding. And then here's the yellow and here's the red. And like, it was so obvious that the people that are using the things that we put out are so much more successful than the people that are. And it sounds simple, but when you have the data to support it, you know, our CEO just smiled. He said, you son of a bitch. Like, I can't say no. 
like you got me. And so um, try to do as much as you can to, to tie that back. I don't know if I answered your question or not, but. Oh, I, I love everything you just said, Brian. Um, I just wanna add um, my, like my perspective, my point of view on MQLs um, is more, a little more than a vanity metric, but it's, it's, this is someone I decided that they're worth, I'm gonna spend more money on them because I think they have the potential to become sales pipeline, right? Like that's how I kind of per perceive that. But my marketing team is focused on like, they're, they're comped on, on, on opportunity creation, right? But also don't forget everyone, like the other side, like once someone becomes a customer, and if you tier your customers, right? If you kind of break, just like on a, from like an account-based marketing and sales perspective, you like tier your prospective customers, those products, you tier your customers and you look at which customers that we have that have the highest potential for growth, for expansion, for increased wallet share, for whatever it means to your business, you know, for your business. Um, and then you look, you develop KPIs around that part of the organization. That's gonna be much more profitable for your business overall as well. Um, because they're already customers um, and you're more, you're, you're, you're prop, you might be more likely to actually get some, um, some internal buy-in on strengthening the relationship with those existing customers. If you've been able to identify like this tier of customers that we have, have a propensity to, you know, grow with us at some level. There's a question here, Richard, if you want to take, um, Abid has another question. He's asking, what are the key things to look for in a RevOps hire? What separates a good RevOps hire from a weak RevOps hire? And maybe if I add on to it, like, can you, any, any of you talk about an experience where you made a bad RevOps hire and how you figured it out and then how you course corrected it and, and what kind of damage that mistake did? I, I have not um, had an experience where I made a, a bad hire, but I have had an experience where I um, had to live with someone else's bad <laughs> hire. Um, and I'll tell you what happened is someone spent a lot of time um, working in a silo focused on one particular initiative that did not take into account the way that other teams work. And now we are still unraveling all of that two years later. Yeah. And think about the, the amount of time, the amount of, you know, the amount of hours that went into that. I mean, there's a huge cost, that, that particular mistake, right? What, what are some other early mistakes or key mistakes that maybe one of you made or, or somebody on the team made that you inherited or somebody underneath you? that you would advise the 45 people on this call to, you know, whatever you do, please don't do this thing that I did that was terrible. Yeah, I, mean, I think it, <clears throat> you know, a lot of it depends on your company and your culture too and your pace. Like um, we're a fast paced company. Like we've always got a lot going on. There's never a dull moment um, juggling multiple things at the same time. And I can think of somebody that we hired that came from a bigger company um, that, struggled to keep up with the pace and ultimately like it didn't work out right and in hindsight it's like okay we didn't do as good of a job as we should have screening for that um you know in the interview process but you know i think to your question around what do we look for in a hire again like if you're if you're a smaller company and just hiring your first person or you just have a few people like you're probably going to need like a scrappy you know jack of all trades somebody who can 
who get CRM and marketing automation. They're really good with Excel. They're organized, strong attention to detail. They're smart. They understand, empathize with sales teams, right? That's important. Um, you know, and as you get bigger and more specialized, then you can clearly, you know, look, look for more of those things. But I think always you need smart, organized, attention to detail, metrics driven, um, strong, I just said a strong understanding and empathy for the sales and marketing role, because um, I think that's, I think that's really important. Guess what, Richard? I know, Scott, you're supposed to buy me a shirt. Um, it says, Richard, you're on mute. Uh, <laughs> we got a, a good question coming from Richard Bristol. So Richard, you want to come off mute and ask it for the crowd? Maybe it's not letting him come off mute either. Too, it's, a, it's a Richard issue, right? So two dicks on a bonfire session. What could possibly go wrong? So, uh, so Richard's question is, does anyone have customer success as part of RevOps responsibility? How do you incorporate that piece? Because I, I think that's super critical if you think about it. We haven't even touched on it. Yeah, I, I just don't see how you have revenue operations without having, without involving customer success. So otherwise we're just, we're just talking about like fancy fancy sales and marketing alignment, so. So how are they involved? What's the best way to get them involved? What are a couple of things you could do specifically to make sure that's happening? Um, it's making sure that they have shared, it's, it's shared goals, right? And one of the things, um, one of like the, the, the pains that, that we experienced uh, a few years back was actually looking at our goals and realizing that the CS team leader the, and the sales team leader had conflicting goals. And at first, like when you looked at them on their own, it didn't, it didn't seem like they were in conflict, but when you actually broke them out and you looked at the mechanisms of what would need to happen in order for sales to hit their, num hit their numbers and what would need to happen for CS to hit their goals, they were in direct conflict with one another. So, so can't that, you know, do, do both those teams have to roll up to the same individual in order to make sure you don't have this problem? Ideally, yes, required, not necessarily, as long as, um, as long as at a, at a higher level at some point, you're, we're looking at whoever's creating these goals, making sure that they're not in conflict with one another. And, and even, even organizations that think we're like, oh my gosh, but we're so kumbaya and we love everybody and everything, you really have to dissect the goal and you're, you're likely to find some kind of conflict. That, that's really good. I'm, gl I'm glad to hear that. We're, we have to sort of move to wrapping and we, we've got one last question for the panelists um, while you think about it, which is, you know, if you could ask this group of people here, for a piece of advice on RevOps or just want some advice in general, or, or if you've got a special cause you wanna mention um, that's not necessarily related to RevOps, ask that question. But first, quick shout out to all of our sponsors of uh, Salesforce Revenue Cloud, of course, uh, Lead411, Gong.io and Vidyard. So please check out our sponsors. We appreciate all their support. But any question, any the three of you would like to, you know, sort of crowdsource. I love to know what's on, what's the one thing on everyone's wish list, like the top of your wish list, the thing that like, like magic, like, woo, like what, like what, what's one thing? 
Yeah, maybe people can pop their answers in, in the in the chat. What about yeah. what about you, Brian? Could you give me a new CPQ system tomorrow, please, and fix fix all our back end systems that need to be fixed in order for that to happen? That'd be great. Wait, wh the what system? I've never heard of this uh, acronym before. CPQ, our pricing system, pricing quote. Oh. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. it's a mess. That's a Jen not, Whalen question, I think. I know, trust me. No, I got I got all of Jen's friends are all over us, but uh, <laughs> yep, that's that's one for me. So the wish list, CPQ, Jen Whalen, anything you'd like to, to ask the crowd? Um I guess it's just more on on resourcing. I'd love to know like what we you know, like I'm in a position to be able to help our customers figure out what kind of resources they need from like a, you know whether it's content or access or whatever it is. And, um, and so, you know, happy to connect with anybody after this too, to, to have offline chats about what are some of the things that we can help with? I think um, James was asking, you know, so, so early stage, like what are some of the things that we might be able to help with, um, you know, overcome some of those hurdles. And if anybody else has, um, has needs or requests yeah. too, happy to kind of field some of those things. So I'll just okay. put a general blanket statement out there. And I'll just throw one thing in there as well. Like I'd, I'd love to know like where you all go for inspiration on RevOps and new ideas and thoughts, right? I'm in, uh, you know, lovely Cincinnati, Ohio, and there's not a lot of other, you know, B2B SaaS companies with RevOps teams around here. And so um, events like this are great. I recently yeah. got exposed to uh, a group called the RevOps Co-op, which has some really good people in it and some really good content. But if anyone has thoughts, ideas there, um, Please share because we're all we're all trying to learn from each other. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the the main ones that come to mind are Rev Genius, Modern Sales Pros. Um, I know there's a RevOps place. I know there's um, there's actually a pre engineering pre sales engineering. Which one is? Do you remember Scott? Which one that is? Pre sales collective. Yeah, pre sales collective, which I think okay. is really good because it yeah. it focuses yeah. on that stuff ahead of time. Um, so there's there's the, wizard, the wizard of ops is another uh, RevOps community Slack community that's a good one. Yep. And, and there's different channels inside other communities like Thursday Night Sales channel has Rev Thursday Night Sales Slack has RevOps, Rev Genius, Rev Collective, all these kind of places. Sales Hacker, I'm sure as well. Yep. And uh, and Revenue Collective, of course, which you know is probably one of the, one of the strongest places. So, um, but again, we just want to say thank you to, to Jen and Jen and Brian for, for being here um, and just answering questions for folks and please connect with them on LinkedIn. If you don't, I do know Jen Whalen. I've gotten to know her very well over the last couple of months and she will gladly take this conversation. She will gladly hear from you, not necessarily your complaints, but your wish list, right? <laughs> um, so feel free to, to put those over to us. And we, you know, I know she'd be glad to talk to you as, as well as Jen and Brian as well. So thank you, everybody. We appreciate your time and, and Jen and Brian and Jen, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone. Um, thanks. Ooh.